Hello, and thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Culture Nerd Podcast. Here is episode two, and we're doing today as a live show. So thank you for everyone who's tuning in right now. Uh, episode two will be the focus of Warner Brothers Discovery, their recent merger, and then what the future of DC Films is going to be. Uh, so thank you all for joining us, and let's get right into it. Okay. It's been a it's been a big week already for uh for DC fans for Warner Brothers in general. It's pretty cool. Um uh, I am all caffeinated up. I have energy shooting out of the wazoo. I'm real excited. Uh <laughs> I feel like this week was the culmination of a ton of things that you already told me that were going to happen and this was the week where it was like, "Oh no, this is happening. Oh, the deals yeah. are all being all the check marks got done this week." Yeah. And it was, it was super interesting because this was the merger itself wasn't scheduled to actually finish until next month, but they were just like, nah, let's do this now. Mm. And then like last couple of weeks, we saw the departures of uh, like just a handful of DC executives, um, not DC, uh, Warner brothers executives, the upper echelon of Warner media. saw people just like quietly like, okay, we're out peace. And then like it moved into, the merger is ready to go. Here's the new the new top tier of the board. And then, boom, they jump into, hey, here is... And, it, and this was the big deal, was that Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, they announced flat out, like, hey, we're going to revitalize DC Comics, like DC Films. We're going to just was, go right into it. Was that the article that we are discussing right now? Was this the Vanity Fair article that we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the one I sent you, yeah. Um, okay. We're not going to discuss it right now, but we're going to go right. We're going to go into that in a moment. But it was just they just kind of hit the ground running, and and I keep reminding people. Um, honestly, it comes down to it's very simple. Yes, they want to revitalize everything. They have a game plan. They sent out a, like an article. Variety has a big breakdown of what it means, but people are still moving in. Like you, you got to remember, people are still moving in. Like the paint hasn't even dried yet. Furniture probably hasn't even delivered yet. There's shipping delays. Furniture is on its way. Like I, there's I was, still a lot going on. I think that that's a really good point to bring up to people because we, we think about, you know, in a computer age, we all think about people working. You, they have to build offices. They have to change the sparklet bottles. The new, the new guy only likes Perrier. What? Like there's <laughs> physical things that have to get put place for this move. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when it comes to something like this, for instance, you you have to realize there's a lot of moving parts because every new executive, every new uh, every new boss that walks in the door, they have their own system, they have their own they have their own executive assistant, they have their own preference preference for everything. So they they have to come in and get the ball rolling. Hopefully, fingers crossed, a lot of that stuff was already done beforehand, and they're just kind of walking in and sitting down. But realistically. In the era of post-COVID, probably not so much. They're probably so, still a little bit slower. Yeah, and there's probably nothing in these offices. There's probably, you know what I mean? Like, they also have to, like, find the personnel who are doing these things. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles does feel like it's opening up. People are going back to office buildings. So I wouldn't be surprised if this will be an all-hands-on-deck sort of deal. Um, 100%. That they're going to, like, refill these rooms. Uh, 43 billion dollars is not a small acquisition we in the business as me and taylor like to say is that's a lot of nuts 
That's what we that's what we call it. That's how we know of its value. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> that's an industry term. Um that's your industry term. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm bringing it to the T the the CNU. That's what I'm calling the culture nerd universe. That's what I'm calling it here. Uh moving into that article, there was a couple of things that I like kind of picked up on one of them was I think that the combination of movie media with television media I think that the the suicide squad into the peacemaker show I think is a very clear like oh this is a really great direction we can branch off yeah. of um I wonder if we'll see a direct tie-in because they wanted they talked about getting into gaming Mm -hmm. And it's such a broad term. There's been some great, there's been some fun DC games, but they're, but they've also kind of been relegated to like the Injustice Mortal Kombat games where it's like, yeah, that's a very fun thing. Me and my kid played with it and then we put it away and don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, combining gaming with medias, uh, with movie media is the thing everyone's trying to do. And I don't, you know, maybe if they hit the ground floor running on it, do you has there been rumblings of what kind of games they want to make or what are some of the DC games that were in the pipeline? Now mind you, everything has to be reviewed now, but were yeah. there what were the rumblings of those games? So uh, I haven't actually heard a lot of rumblings. What was interesting about that part in particular was when the merger was coming up and AT&T was looking at selling off all the assets to make the merger more lucrative for them. Uh Warner Brothers games was a big thing on the chopping block. And ironic that they were like, let's sell Warner Brothers games. Let's sell that that studio. And we'll retain the IPs, but we'll just sell that studio. And ironically, Discovery comes in and says, no, we want to keep that studio. And we want to use it better than you have. And I think that is amazing. And my first thought reading that was, what if they're going back to the way it was for us? Like in the early 90s, early 2000s, where every movie had a tie-in game. Yeah. And a lot of the time, those tie-in games kind of sucked. Um I think back at some of the Disney ones, like when we were kids, like Super Nintendo, uh, the Latin game, that was hard. Uh, the Lion King game was the hardest game in the universe. But then I think, um, I kind of going back into the, the PS2 era, uh, which to me, the, 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 the cream of the crop for the tie-in games was uh, the Spider-Man 2 game, which mm. was kind of like a weirdly loose adaptation. And then it was a big, big thing. It was a fantastic game. Very great um very great system. It's pretty much like the baby version of what we have today with the Insomniac Spider-Man games. Like that was the game that created what we have now. Um, and then you have other studios who put in tie-in games like X-Men. They had a tie-in game uh, for X-Men 2. I think it was Wolverine's Revenge, which was a tie-in game that took place right after X-Men 2. It's kind of led into X-Men 3 in a way, but it, it explained where Wolverine was after the second movie and why Nightcrawler wasn't going to be in the third movie. Like they had kind of a narrative that explained some stuff. And now I'm thinking that now that gaming and gaming is a massive market now, much bigger now than it ever has been. I think discovery sees that there is a solid chance to create these tie in interactive games again in a quality that we never had them. Yeah. And you know, funny enough, the, Super Smash Brothers of the Warner Brother universe is going to be out really is going to be soon. And they've shown off some of the characters, but how great would it be 
if in addition to Kevin Conroy's Batman, who is the Batman in that game, if he is the voice of it, that is Kevin Conroy's Batman. How great would it be to see the Batman there from how great would it be to see Michael Keaton's Batman as, you know, Batman 1989 and Batman 2002 and Batman. I mean, yeah, I feel like no. those are the type of things that were left on the chopping block that maybe people are like, oh, let's start having everything pull in the same direction. Yeah, let's let's utilize these IPs. Let's go nuts with it. Let's get. And I don't want to think that for a second that Discovery is like, hey, mobile gaming is huge. Let's just pump out a bunch of mobile games. Like, I don't think that's what they're talking about because Warner Brothers games, their division of gaming isn't really about that. Their division of gaming is what made the um, the Arkham Origins game or the the Lord of the Rings. Uh, those um, I just forgot the name of them. Those really cool. The Mordor ones where you're the yeah, guy Shadow of Mordor. There we go. Doing Thank all you. the flipping. Um, which were as a, as a Tolkien fan, as a big nut for Tolkien, um, those games hurt my brain on canon because they changed a lot of stuff. But they <laughs> sure. were so fun. Yeah, like so fun. I was watching them like that's great. But then the second one, I'm like, oh, the spider is a person now. <laughs> yeah, but listen, but that, <laughs> but that's, but you know, that's kind of the deal. You know, I hope that they give them creative license to make some fun game engines, which they can then put some storylines and stuff on. Yeah. I would yeah, and just like um, Ivan's uh, comment here, there is a Wonder Woman game in the plan. They are definitely going in. Um, they made that that new open world-ish. Uh, and speaking of the Mortar games, they're making a Wonder Woman game that they've said is very open worldy, kind of like the Shadow of Mortar games. Um, the Wonder Woman game will actually use the Nemesis system, which I do not understand who her Nemesis will be. Like, I'm just like, so there's going to be a system where there's a bunch of like generals and and peons and like little people, and she's going to kill one, and the other one's going to get upgraded in the back, and he's going to become stronger. Like, is she just going down the underworld and she's going to fight demon generals? Like, what is the, oh, the game? She, yeah, she might go do that. I wonder as well if you would do something where you stick her in. If we see the call, uh, the original Call of Duty, so it's like World War II. So you're I fighting little guys in a tank. You see like the tanks and stuff coming up, and she puts her lasso around them. Oh, I'm down with. Listen, I'm down with all of that. That all sounds fabulous. But the question is, <clears throat> when was is this game nearing completion? So is this technically under the old regime, or is this a game that is being looked at right now? So what's interesting is that the game, they announced a little teaser for it. They announced a bunch of stuff they were doing with it, but the game is still projected to be a couple years off. So they still can go back and change 99% of the game if they want to. They're still building the engine because a lot of people don't realize when it comes to gaming, the longest part of development is actually the engine building. Yeah. Once you've built the engine, once you've built the assets, once you've built all of that stuff, it's kind of like directing a movie. It's just putting it all together and then hitting play and just going. Like that's why when they made for the sake of a better example, Final Fantasy VII's remake. They announced it, and then they spent like five years. Then they scrapped that team. They fired everybody. They, they brought it back in-house. They redid the engine. And then like three years later, they're like, we built it. It's perfect. Let's record. Now it's out. Like the, the voiceover work is a big chunk of it, but the longest portion is the actual development, building the engine, building the, the gameplay mechanics, building the battle system. Like that is the longest portion of everything. So uh, it's and it's so funny that you mentioned Final Fantasy R because that engine was so fun and that first game was such a great taste. You know, we're gonna get probably two or three more just Final Fantasy seven stories in that engine. And guess what? 
I'm already bought them. You know what yeah. I mean? The first game, th this this new incarnation of it was so fun. And they've even used it for a couple other games now, correct? Isn't there the, that shooting game that kind of is similar to what it is? Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot of stuff with it. I mean, um, immediately after, like, for Final Fantasy VII, for instance, they that engine took forever them to build, but now they're using it a lot. Like, the Kingdom Hearts games even use that engine. Um, now everything, Unreal 5 is out, so everything is being adapted into Unreal 5, which is... Um, I sat down with my son the other day and watched this like tech demo where they're explaining how to use Unreal 5. And I'm like, this is the future of how they're going to develop games. Because this game, this system is very much like drag and drop. Like put your stuff in there and then here's all your tools. Just throw them in and everything looks gorgeous. They've done so much legwork and you can see games now will start pumping out faster and quicker and more just beautiful products. And I can see WB grabbing Unreal 5 and being like, hey, let's make a Justice League game. Or let's make an Overwatch-style shooter with a bunch of villains. Let, let's do something like, like they're just going to go nuts. Like, here's a Suicide Squad Overwatch game. Oh, and just throw it out. Yeah. And, like, all of those characters. So two things come to mind. One is, like, why isn't there a good... Well, we'll get to the article in a second. A Green Lantern in an Overwatch style would be great, right? Yeah. You're making different guns. You're doing it in first person. So you're doing all of those things. Yeah, instead Absolutely. of picking up guns, you're picking up construct ideas. Like, walk by, oh, that's the chainsaw construct. And, like, grab right. that, like... And then you have, like, the Red Lanterns or the Yellow Lanterns versus the Green Lantern. That's your teams. And just, that would be amazing. Oh, like oh. Just give me, give me blue lanterns. Give me like, oh, this guy has this power. This person, absolutely. Th those oh. are all. Shut up and take my money. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Shut up and take my money. Of course, of course. I didn't press it. Yeah, I didn't mean to press course. it again. <laughs> uh, so promises were made here. We'll have to do a. We'll talk about Kingdom Hearts another day because that yeah. will have to. That'll be a full episode in itself. Yeah, um, because I think a lot of people don't realize we were Kingdom Hearts just turned twenty last week, and. You were like, this is a weird idea. And I'm like, I'm going to buy it. And I bought it. And you watched me play the whole game from start to finish in like our freshman or sophomore year of high school. Yeah. And you're like, and then we even treated like the, the Sora versus Sephiroth mini game battle as like a Super Bowl event. Like we had friends over and you guys watched me beat it. And we all cheered and screamed. And it was really it was difficult. So hard. We wanted to give you the support and love you needed. Yeah. It was a very difficult fight. I can't believe that you it did was. it. I did. It was so beautiful. And it was before the era of trophies and achievements. So no one will believe that I did it. <laughs> Right. Well, listen, I pin you. I say, good, Sir Knight. I witnessed it. I We can tell everyone you did it. I'm so hard, uh, though. <laughs> staying on track with yeah. the Warner Brothers deal. Yes. One of the things that they talked about is finding a champion, you know, basically the DC version of a Kevin Feige. And there yeah. really is only one Kevin Feige. And for all the great that he's done with what Disney has done, he also was kind of the boogeyman that ruined a bunch of Fox things. All the Fox Marvel movies, he was the guy who was like, you're not doing any of this. So, Which is who, the biggest irony. Is yeah. that it, took him, it took him like 15 years to become the Kevin Feige we know now. But during those early 15 years, he was the guy that gave us all of the stuff that we complain about with Fox's X-Men. Like, oh, uh, Fantastic Four. All those weird ass creative decisions. That was him. No, like yeah. he was like one of the big guys. And it wasn't like just like when Marvel and Paramount and you have like, I think his name was Paul Metter or whatever his name was, who was like another boogeyman. But Feige wasn't this guardian angel at the time. He was very much, he tried to be this voice of reason that changed a lot of things. And unfortunately for like the worse. And, yeah. and even then on the same note, Kevin Feige had a lot of missteps with the first, 
wave and a half of Marvel. And yeah, yeah, now, listen, we all like the movies, but Iron Man 2 is not that solid of a movie. It's and, it's and Iron Man 3 is less solid. Like I will I will fight tooth and nail. I will say my favorite Iron Man movie was Iron Man 1, obviously, but my favorite Thor movie was the first movie. Like mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh had this Shakespearean godly view of these characters. And then Kevin Feige in the second one is like, let's go a different way. Let's make it Game of Thrones with some spaceships. And like, I'm like, mm, didn't sit well. That was weird. Yeah. And, and then they were like, Thor 3 not- is, here's a, a cocaine-ridden music video from the 80s. <laughs> and I'm like, not for it, man. Not for it. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I was going to say, is there anybody at DC? Like, is DC as an entity, is it just the comic book side? Or are there, are there people that could bridge this gap? Because... It sounds like they're really open to ideas, but they need someone to explain how we get from A to B, B to C, C to D at this point. Because this is going to be multi-movie things. And if Warner Brothers tries to go back in what it did in – what it did with the Matrix movies, then we need a game that's going to be a solid middle piece into something else. That this explains the story of this character, and you need people yeah. to know what you know. You got to know what one hand is doing and the other hand is doing. Right, and I, I see, I see the Twitter sphere, I see Instagram, I see everyone clamoring for things. People are like, "Oh, Deborah Snyder needs to do it." And mind you, she's a fantastic producer, but I don't think Deborah or Zack Snyder would want the job. That's not even a, not even a thing that they would even consider anymore. And I mean, Zach even said he wanted his sandbox. He wanted his like he wanted his stories, and he wanted other directors to play in it. But he was less concerned about the continuity as he was the overall like story that was being driven by the individual people. So I think Zach was more in line of like let's do a multiverse, let's go have fun with it, than he was anything else. So I don't think the Snyder's would be a good pick to be honest. Um, I would love someone like Jim Lee, the creative head of DC, to step into that role, but he's also very very limited on his capacity for. Uh, production i don't yeah. know if he would even consider like oh yeah i'm not a film producer i won't do this like i don't think that's even an option um in the article they talk about how uh, jeff johns and john berg the people who started dc films how they just ran it straight into the ground right off the bat like they were like okay they got power um they almost changed the ending of wonder woman and then uh we got justice league from them and then that was such a colossal failure um, let's just fire them and start with a, a new guy. And then they brought in, um, they brought in a uh, Walter Hamada. And then the same article, they do praise Hamada for what he did, but at the same time, it's like it's really hard. It's it's it was kind of like a veiled uh, praise because they were praising him for saying he did better than the last guys, but literally anyone could have done better than the last guys. Sure, sure. Because then they segue into saying, "Hey, we want to bring a new studio head in," and if Hamada was doing the job they wanted, they wouldn't even be having that conversation. Right. So the question is who they could do. And I, I see some people bring up um, Emma Watts or even the guy from Netflix would be a great pick. And I, I do kind of agree. The guy from Netflix, the one that they're referring to, um, he is uh, – let me pull up his name. I, I didn't have him prepared because I didn't think it was really a, a super much of an option. But he was um, – yeah, he's the guy who went from Netflix to HBO Max, correct? He's the No, no. Who- he was the guy that actually went from Warner Brothers to Netflix, uh, Scott Stuber. Okay. Um, he is now the current um, head of like original content at Netflix. 
Um, so I, I personally believe that Scott was one of the big reasons why Zach got his like blank check to, we want you, make whatever you want. And I mean, heck, there's even that picture of like back when they made a, what? That was a that was a man's baseball butt. Okay, there's yeah. the picture. Um, they even had that picture of Scott and uh, helping like give Zach Don of the Dead. Like he was he was Zach cut his big break probably thanks to this guy, mm. and again Zach got his second win at Netflix probably thanks to this guy. Mm. So a lot of people are saying that's pretty cool. Um, I would love to see, um, I would love to see someone come in that doesn't have these these biases, right? Um, who like, like for, for Toby Emmerich, for instance, the guy that's currently running kind of the show at, at DC, um, he kind of hates Zach. And I don't know why, and no one knows why. And I guess that's the rumors that he and Zach just don't like each other. Um, there's been countless rumors that Zach won't come back unless Toby's out of the room or Toby doesn't want Zach back. So that's why Zach's gone. Like things like that. Like whoever knows what the beef is, but, um, that's that's where it's at. They 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 need somebody who is loved by everybody. Because the the last regime for Warner Brothers, they really did. Uh, they ended up pissing off too many people. Like we, they lost Christopher Nolan. That was a huge lose. Yeah. Um, Denis Villeneuve, the director from Dune, they almost lost him um, multiple times. Uh, Zack Snyder went to Netflix. Like they they lost a lot of these directors that gave them this chunk of money. And they just booked it and moved on. So yeah. uh, David Zaslav is trying to bring some of that talent back. He's trying to bring those people back. I mean, they lost Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Right. And basically all you have to do is give Greenlit whatever budget he wants to make his old man movie. He only does two takes. He only does two takes of seeing yeah. everybody. And he's probably super cheap because his budgets are like, how much did you spend? I spent six million because I know how to stretch a dollar. A, a like, man goes to his backyard at the, the grocery store. How much is that going to cost me? 20 bucks. 20, 20 bucks. You I'll got do it. it. Yeah, like they lost so much. Because of just poor management, and that's obviously why when AT and T is like we're gonna we're gonna sell it to Discovery, let's fire everybody. Like, like that's probably why everything went went bad. Um, but I mean that's the reality. Is um, I mean some people in the comments, yeah, Debbie doesn't have enough experience to run giant studios, and she won't be the person. She doesn't. I don't think she'll even want to be the person. So people need to stop suggesting Debbie Snyder. Um, Jim Lee is not a studio person. Exactly. He. I, I wouldn't see it unless he like took a crash course in filmmaking during the pandemic. He's not the guy. Right. Right. So one of the things the article talks about is that discovery was not happy with the way that some of the DC heroes have been shit upon. Uh, yeah. and the, the example that came to me was they felt that you have Superman and Superman, which, you know, regardless of what you think of the original movies, they were pretty successful movies. You know what I mean? Those, the uh, the uh, the ones from the 70s and 80s. So what other DC heroes do you feel have been tarnished? Because I feel like there are so many heroes that have never seen the light of day that it would be like, oh, Luke Beetle hits a ton of Iron Man vibes. I guarantee you, you can sell face masks and blaster guns, yeah. whole nine yards. And he and he has been nowhere near a movie project. And what feels like, oh no, they're making a Blue Beetle movie right now. Right, but again, what? Who's making it? Was this old DC or is this new DC? Because it's gonna. Yeah. Be, I feel like everything is in flux. Like 
I would assume everything's on the table now, but it's yeah. the right people. Uh, yeah, and and that's actually one of the things I wanted to bring up was Brad, that a lot of people. Who's bringing back Green Lantern? Why isn't Green Lantern front and center with all of this magic stuff? Yeah, and even that, it's been almost ten years since the last Superman movies. Like totally actual agree with you, Ivan. Superman movies. Totally agree with um, you. And I think that came back to the issue. And the, the article even brought up that they left certain characters to languish, like Superman. Superman, the studio didn't want to use anymore. Heck, even in the new Flash movie. Um, before I, I just let me just throw this up there. Bat. Even in the new Flash movie, Superman's going to be gone yeah. because they're like erasing him. Like yes. they literally, the the studio's bias against Zack Snyder is just insane. So they're like, let's just erase parts of the Snyderverse that we don't like. And then when Discovery came in and said, we're not doing that anymore, they recut the Flash movie to like not be as malicious. <laughs> so it's kind of insane. Um, okay. But you have, um, obviously, Henry Cavill as Superman. Uh, he signed a handful of, he signed a, a decent contract for movies. He wants a new contract. He wants to still be Superman. I say, let's let him be Superman. And I think this even Discovery is coming in saying, you guys have a Superman that people want to see. And yet you won't give him a new contract. And yet all you ask him for is two-minute cameos that make him into a joke. And then you expect him to fly halfway across the world to do this cameo. And when he says no, you try to recast him. Yeah, it's funny like, that Henry – yeah, it's funny that all the shenanigans that has happened with all of those things, uh, Henry Cavill's weird CG'd upper lip. I don't blame Henry Cavill for any of that stuff. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, he's trying to film in Romania right now. He's trying to beat up Tom Cruise. Like, he could – like, I get that there are other productions and schedules here, and I agree with you. I mean, it's another conversation. Well, we'll get to casting in a second, but, like, Henry Cavill's a really good Superman, and it sucks that we've underutilized him the way because there's not many other dudes in the room that could be that guy. Yeah, that can have that kind of screen presence. So walk in and be like, mm, yep, I can believe that he's an alien and that not only is he an alien, but I believe he can pick up my house. Like, he just carries that presence of like, I'm gentle, but I can also destroy everything around you. <laughs> like well, and the article also talked about like, you know, how they were they that they were that they like these one-off movies. It very it singles out like, oh, Joker was a good movie. They should do more of those type of things. And I think that that's absolutely, you know, I don't think everything has to be this grand vision. I think we can have these one-off sort of genre-y like films and let some young directors cut their teeth on some stuff to then yeah. bring them into these larger worlds. I loved the idea of DC Black. I love that Todd Phillips came up and said, I want to make this movie with a tiny budget and let's make it character focused. And that I, I, they, I love how the article brought up, they praised uh, Walter Hamada for what he's been done with, doing, done with DC, but then they praised Joker as a massive success. And for people who don't know the background, Walter Hamada did not think Joker was going to be a success. So he pawned off the production costs to another outlet. So the billion dollar revenue was not billion dollars that Warner Brothers got. It was another outlet because Hamada passed the buck to them, which is just insane. But I know that when uh, Todd Phillips pitched this, he was like, I want to make the Joker. And if this works, let's make other character-driven villain stories. Let's make a Mr. Freeze movie. Let's make a, a Clayface movie with Basil Carlo, a struggling actor and his accident. Let's, let's make movies about the villains. Let's make a Lex Luthor movie. Like he talked about making villains like center stage 
in these low-budget, character-driven origin films that have no ties to any other canon but themselves. They're self-contained, 100% multiverse, 100% Elseworlds, and I think fans can get behind it. Mind you, for the last couple of years, we've seen fans saying, what do you mean the Batman has a new Joker? We had him in the last movie. Why isn't he the Joker? And I don't know. People need to realize that Batman was eight in that movie. And if Shit. that Joker was his Batman, it would be like Batman is on year two and there's a 70-year-old dude in a wheelchair coming after you. Like, it doesn't work. Uh, why isn't there a Green Arrow? Why isn't there a a, a, exactly. a, a movie a, a, a theatrical Green Arrow? Because I I see how I see how the Green Arrow and Green Arrow related universe stuff works in TV. I think he's probably a, an easier person to sell in a TV format. Um, you can do those fight scenes, but like I don't understand why there's not a Green Arrow in the movies. I don't understand why we aren't having period pieces. Absolutely, it feels so. It, 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 yeah, it feels so obvious. Um, not as obvious, but I feel like there's you could do fun stuff with it. Hawkman comes to mind as well that we haven't seen like him be introduced to the universe in a big way. It's always kind of like, oh, he's this guy and he's there and he shows up, but he's never explained. I think that would be a fun alien movie. Yeah, and so I mean, we have now uh, the Black Adam movie that's coming yeah. out, and the Black Adam is going to introduce the Justice Society of America. And the core members of the Black Adam movie is going to be uh, Dr. Fate, played by Pierce Brosnan, which is the best casting in the universe. Um, you've got Hawkman, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher. And that's a very small group of the Justice Society. Do you think we get magic Green Lantern? Do you think we get the Green Lantern? But I don't the... think we are getting Green Lantern at all in that project, which is frustrating. Mm. I hope they at least reference it. I mean, like, from what we now know with certain leaks, we understand that when Hawkman first came to Earth, because he's a Thanagarian in this movie, when he first came to Earth, he started the, he was the leader of the Justice Society. And then now, fast forward to the modern day, the Justice Society is like three people because they just let it fall to the wayside. But yeah. I want to see, like, just, I would love to see them walk into a conference room and have the old JSA logo on a table and be like, oh, yeah, so we had a Flash, we had a Green Lantern, we had all these people, and then they just, uh, they hate us now. And it's kind of like, I would love to see an Easter egg reference to all these characters, but mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, they're really weird and really picky and choosy on these characters. And I think Discovery is like, you have the oldest running comic book canon with more characters than you could ever imagine, and you're only using a set of 10. What is going yeah. on? Yeah. Like, I, spitballing here, I would love to see, um, and someone even brought this up here, a question movie would be so cool. Sure. Um, I would love to see uh, The Creeper, you know? The uh, the newscaster from Gotham who gets sprayed by the Joker toxin who becomes a half Joker, half... like. I would love to see a Creeper movie or just a Creeper miniseries or anything. Just I want to see him in live action. That would be fun. Sure. Um, there's so many characters that they've just underutilized. And then you have Warner Brothers, previous administration, who came in and said, we'll give, let's give J.J. Abrams like a billion dollars to join, join up with us. And now five years later, he hasn't done one single project because they keep fighting him on every project he tries to do. And it's like, right, you want creative people to be creative. And then when you shoot him down, eventually, JJ, I mean, JJ Abrams has, has, there has a lot of clout in this town. So, you know, if they don't want to work with him, he'll go to a Disney and say, I want to make this project. He'll go to a Paramount and say, hey, let yeah. me do this thing. And they'll probably give him the reins to do so. 
Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that this article basically said that they want a new studio head guy to kind of come in and run the show and create like this great environment. And I think a lot of people need to understand that some of the stuff they mentioned here, like having to appease to fans and critics. When fan when the fans on I, I said this online and they're like, why do the, why do the critics have to matter? It's all about the fans. But I think people forget that fans, the power of fans only go so far. Critics are what affect the general audience. If the critic hates a movie, general audiences are naive enough to say the critic hated it. Let's just move on. And that's what happened with like Batman and Superman or things like that. Like the critics ripped it to shreds. And then you even said that you saw it the one time and moved on. And I know a lot of people said, oh, it's just bad reviews. I'm moving on. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I think that that, you know, the fan bases of these films are always going to keep them in the pipeline of like, maybe we should do this thing, but a critical success, you know, a movie making its budget and doubling its budget is a big deal. You know, a movie making a hundred million dollars and $200 million does matter. I know those numbers seem so big and they don't matter, but like it does matter. Uh, Let's say you are given, they call you tomorrow and go, Taylor, listen, we, we don't know what, we don't know what the hell to do. We don't know where to take this. We don't know what to do. What three or four things would you give them or like mandates or like mantras that would you give them to follow? Because like it isn't make more Batman movies like, yes, more Batman movies will come. But how would you steer the ship? How would you say this is this is kind of what we should be doing with this and then bring everyone on together? So if I was in charge, um, I would go in and say flat out. Um, you have a multiverse. Let's lean into it hard. Um, we already have a lot of different canons out there. And instead of trying to force a circle into a square, let's let those canons exist and create new ones and create director-driven ones. If you want to make an MCU canon, make one, but make it separate. If you want to make, if you want to give Matt Reeves his Batman verse, let him make it, but it's its own corner. Don't try to force it into the other canon. Let Zach finish his story. Let's let's have Chris Nolan come in. If he wants to do another project, let him do his own project, but let it be standalone. Let uh, Todd Phillips make his own projects and move on. But rebrand DC films to like DC cinematic multiverse, right? Just like put it in the title, just flat out. And then at the beginning of each movie, explicitly say like, like, D, like D, Warner Brothers presents, DC Comics presents multiverse world etc and label them so that fans know that they're not part of the main canon i was just about to ask you would you want it to say dc presents earth 475c universe b like would you want it to really be like oh this is earth 947 from universe 75 not as like as like i don't know like not like in the marvel sense where it's like okay. big ass text across the sure. screen and it's like, yeah, okay. like i wouldn't do that but i would say like I would have it in there somewhere, just like right off the bat, like this is not the same world. This like like the Joker, like put it on there, like front and center, like DC Elseworlds or DC Alternate Earth or like whatever. Just throw it out there. Let fans know that this is not going to affect the other movie because it's its own thing. And then let the directors have their fun. If the director comes in and says, I want to be a part of that canon, let them be a part of that canon. Great. If they say, I want to make my own film, let them make their own film. But let this be become a 
very stu- creator driven studio, not a like not what not trying to replicate what Marvel did, but let them do their own thing because so, DC shines when it's not trying to be Marvel. Agreed. Uh, uh, agreed. So funny enough, I was reading an article today where Josh Brolin, he's doing uh, lots of press for that new for his new uh, Amazon Prime show. Which looks really cool because it looks, looks like very... Twin Peaks and Yellowstone mixed together, and I'm it all for that. Looks great. So one of the things that he was asked about was, uh, are you mad that you didn't get to play Batman? And they talked about how he lost out to Batman 2, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah. But he said, you know, playing Batman would be really fun. Uh, you've already talked about Warner Brothers pushing talent away in the director's pool. Are there any... Is there any casting where if we're like going to build these projects from the ground up, it's like, yo, Josh Brolin, Batman, probably not going to be the Batman where he's ziplining around town, but Josh Brolin would make a great old Batman for a Batman Beyond movie. He would play a great old man, Bruce Wayne. So is there any type of like casting where it's like, let's get this person and build out around them. What other A-list actors you want to get into the, the DC universe? No, I would I would honestly love that. I mean, the way I like I said in my thing, the way I would pitch a DC film universe is like they do it with the comics. Simple as that. If a writer wants to come in and say, I want to make uh I want to be the next run for Batman comic, the next main canon Batman, they do it. Or if you have like someone like Sean Murphy come in and says, I want to make a crazy Elseworlds Batman Beyond where Batman's in prison and he's married to a certain crazy person, and there's also like Dick Grayson's a cop. And like, I would love to see more stuff like that. Like, let give us Elseworlds. Lean into it hard. And Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin, like, yeah, grizzle him up a bit more, make him look a little bit older. Give us a Batman, uh, like an Elseworld Batman Beyond movie. I want that. I honestly feel that the biggest missed opportunity that the old DC, old Warner Brothers did was with um, the Flash movie bringing Michael Keaton back into the main canon. And instead of giving us Batman Beyond, they're giving us Nightwing and Batgirl. And I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Give us Batman Beyond. What are you doing? No, it's not going to happen like that. We're going to get the other one. So we get the flavor. We get one flavor for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just, it's silly to me. Like where they're, like I said, they're trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. Like it's, it doesn't work because they're doing it wrong. Um, they care more about optics than they do about the actual product. Yeah, which is going to get them in trouble in the long run. And unfortunately, whatever is this next round of things that become the next foundation for what it's going to be, uh, it has to be strong. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be amazing, but they have to be stronger than what's coming, what has been coming out. So the, these Comic book storylines, they try to translate them into the film, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't, right? Like the MCU Civil War is kind of like Civil War, but it's very different in the comic book. There's a lot more characters. It's Civil War name only, really. (laughs) Right, right. So we're kind of building up to what I think is the Flash the flashpoint, the flashpoint paradox, right? That's what's going to be kind happening. Of. Right. Okay. Kind of. And all of these things get changed. Are there any big, the old, you know, before the modern reset of DC comics, are there any old 
sort of Justice League stories that sh- they should be doing. You know, it's funny is rewatching the Zack Snyder stuff. You're like, oh, this is just Legion of Doom. Like he did. He got it in there. He figured out a way to get all these parts of these two evil or, you know, good and evil going up against each other. And you had to build all that stuff up. It's the classic story. Are there any yeah. other classic DC stories that you would be like, yo, before we do any of that, let's do this first. Yeah, 100%. I would, I mean, obviously, um, there's a handful of stories I would love to see them adapt. Um, I would personally, after seeing the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, I would love to see Zack Snyder adapt a, a Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Returns, yeah. with like a grizzled old Batman with his tank fighting all the, like an old, uh, worn out joker who's like like i would love to see that i want that but aside from things like that um i would love to see like the crisis on two earths essentially sure like bring in the 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 crime syndicate bring them in bring in an alternate version of superman bring in different actors to play these other alternate versions and essentially give us like the boys versus the justice league like give us something dark and weird and just lean into it um i would love to see them adapt like a tower of babel where Mm. um, a villain finds Batman's plans about how to take down the Justice League, and then they form the Legion of Doom around those plans, and then they take down the Justice League. Like, I would love to see something like that. Um, There are so many things that I would love to see them do, um, storyline-wise. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's insane. There's so many comics that you can pull from. I'm just trying to think of some good ones. Well, Uh, I I feel like, DC straddles that line between technology and magic. And I would love to define those, define those worlds a little bit better and show how the two interact because sometimes stuff feels there's no weight to it. It's just magic. Like things just happen sometimes. Then other times it's like, Oh, these incremental things of these larger forces at play. So I don't know any of that stuff. I would like, I would also like to know who are, new canon of players are not that that matters because you'll always be able to add more but i would love to know who are the puzzle pieces that were working i think that's one of the benefits of the mcu as these movies came out we knew what we were oh these are all the people on the avengers this is how this all fits together and i don't think we need i don't feel like the justice league needs to be the same justice league because i feel like the justice league always has had movable parts but i would just like to know what is that thing that we want to build towards? And then what is, then can we play with those toys? Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I think what a lot of people tend to forget is that when the justice league first came out, it didn't have certain characters on it. It was, it was literally the same idea as the Avengers. It was the B list original characters that they just wanted to throw into a comic. And let me, let me pull up the, the original run. Um, I believe green arrow was on that team, but I don't think Superman was actually, um, I think the way they had it was that it was just a very, um, let me find it. Uh, just like one original comic team. When they, the first issue where they fought Starro, right? When they just brought him right off the bat, um, they, they had, uh, yeah. So, or, you know, this sounds also silly, but you were talking about crisis on two earths. Why not have um why not have the suicide squad have an established team and let's let them go up against Superman? Guess what? Superman's gonna win in the end, but let's see the attempt. 
Let's see them try to best the, you know, the the best of earth. Let's see them try to do their thing because they have all these pieces and I feel like they get wasted on these one-off stories and it's like, no, let's put them against the main roster. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you have so many, so many things that you can do. I mean, I, I did love the idea that James Gunn brought up with the, um, the, the rotating team for the Suicide Squad. Um, I didn't agree with a lot of the creative choices he made in that film, but whatever. Um, but that was kind of the, the idea is that Amanda Waller has a prison full of people she can bring on teams. Let them be a rotating team. Let's give us more missions. Why did it take so long to get two different Suicide Squad movies when that is a an arc? Like that is a, a team that is just ripe for fun projects. Mm. Um, and then you have, like you have obviously have... Um, you could bring in like the outsiders, for instance. Give us another like a good guy team, but kind of closer to the Suicide Squad than the good guys. Sure. Give us like um, the outsiders going after an Amazo robot or something. Give us something weird like that, where uh, you've got Batman who's put together this team of like these these darker heroes, and like, hey, I need you guys to go stop a drug deal and a shipment of illegal arms because I'm busy with the Justice League. Like, give us Justice League B team, right? I want to see so much of that. Mm. Well, it feels like more is on the table now. Yeah. And it feels like they want, they're looking for talent and they're looking for these ideas. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this takeover, how many times has the Flash movie now been edited? Like, do you even know how many like times people have put their fingers and changed that movie? Because it's got to be, three or four times at this point, like official changes, correct? So they had about a half dozen different directors and writers attached to the project before they got to the current team that filmed the film. And now there's, I think from what I was hearing is that there's three different cuts of the movie because each cut has very different versions of the takes. Like one cut had a, a take where Ben's Batman dies in the film. Another cut had Ben's Batman just return back to his world. One cut had a, uh, like a zinger with um, let's set up the need to find some other heroes. I think the current cut actually has the ending with flash realizing that he's not on his earth and mm -hmm. he's not quite okay with it yet. And he's like, okay, I've got my, my dad's free. I've got my girlfriend. I've got, I've got the world is safe, but I don't have Ben and I don't have Henry and I need them. Mm -hmm. And then it sets up this like zinger, like, Hey, you need to go find them and need to restore that world. Like it even sets up this like need for Barry to fix the mistake he made. So it's even like, even in the movie, it's like Warner brothers said, okay, we're going to course correct back to what we messed up on. So it's very unique. Um, this project in particular started off as one thing, became something very different, went kind of back to that one thing, changed again. And it's kind of going back to that one thing again. So it's a roller coaster for this production team. Well, and not to and not to get too much in the weeds here, uh, are they going to continue with Ezra Miller? Is he? Yes. Will his his name? Great. They their emergency meeting panned out. He will stay attached to these projects for the near so, future. And that and that's the biggest irony is that that emergency meeting announcement came out of Rolling Stone, and they were like Ezra's going to get fired. The studio was freaking out, and then like five hours later, after the internet lost its collective mind over this. Uh, IGN reported that they got reached out to by Warner Brothers who said that whole meeting was nonsense. It wasn't real. It was a smokescreen. Move on. 
And then now, I think on Monday of this week, the couple that filed the restraining order against Ezra withdrew their claim. Um, didn't say why, didn't want to do it why, but you have all of these people coming in and out of the woodwork basically saying that they were in it for the cloud. They didn't want to do what they wanted to do, et cetera, et cetera. That, but there's also um, some, twi- some Twitter tinfoil hat people that came out and said that the reason Ezra even had that altercation with them is because they were like being homophobic. They were being transphobic. They were attacking him for all these social justice concepts that he stands for. And then they filed charges against him because they were the bad guys, but they got to the courthouse first. Wow. And, and that is, I mean, that's the rumor, but who knows if it's even real because I mean, you can, you can make a claim like that on Twitter and you can have all these things on Twitter, but who knows if it's real, but it definitely, it's ironic that all of these claims came out and then the couple withdrew their, their restraining order. They didn't want it to go to court. They didn't want to have that hearing explaining themselves. They didn't want to have that hearing where Ezra explained himself. Like they moved, they just like, Nope, we're not doing it. And they withdrew. So this batch of movies are going to come out this next uh, contractually obligated movies. Like regardless of what we want these stories to do, Aquaman two is coming out. Yeah. Black Adam movie is going to come out. Um, Shazam two is going to come out. Uh, The blue beetle film has already got its cast. They even cast like Susan Sarandon yesterday as the villain. It's going to come out. Um, Batgirl is wrapped filming. It's going to come out. So like that next chunk of movies that has been made has been made and is still going to be made, but everything else is on the table for discovery to veto. And I feel like that's where we're at. I think those movies should all come out and should have stories and should want to uh, uh, titillate their audiences. However they want to with whatever reveals and stuff like that. Then after all of that, let's not go back to day one. Let's go somewhere in between there, but then let's start building up to something else. And I don't know. I don't know what their ideas are for that. I don't know if we see a bunch of team up movies. I don't know what that is going to look like, but I think it's time to get some unified visions to the front here to start putting those projects in place. And I feel like, and I've said this before on a different thing. um, I feel that Snyder fans would be more accepting of a total reboot than having another director in come in and then retool everything. Um, Or God forbid, Zack Snyder says, okay, here's all of my ideas. I'm not going to make it. You make it. That doesn't satisfy anybody. That's not, not the, that's not the, that's not what people want. They already took his sandbox away. He needs to finish that. If anything's yeah. going to happen with it. I, I definitely agree. I think at this point, uh, if David Zaslav was truly saying, if, if he does live up to what he's saying, if he does say like he wants to come in and, and fix the mistakes of the past and, Re uh, un unburn unburn the bridges that were burned by the previous administration, um, and give fans and audiences what they want. You have to fix some of those missteps. Let Zack Snyder finish his story and appease that giant majority of the fans. And I mean, I'm honestly, I, I speak for myself on this. But if they came in and said we are going to restore the Snyderverse and give us the remainder of Zack Snyder's story. We're also then going to reboot and give us a new Justice League separately. I would go watch both. Yeah, hundred percent. But if they said I'm going to, we're going to never see Zack Snyder again. We're going to reboot. I'm probably going to be a little bit bitter. Like, yeah, you. It's like 
I, I don't agree with fans when they say that they're going to boycott the studio because boycotting is like, I'm going to hold your stuff for ransom until you give me what I want. No one's going to deal with a terrorist like that. Come on. Right. Um, but at the same time, fans know what they want and it's easy money to do it. I think for a second that if, if they came out swinging and said, we are going to establish a multiverse, we're going to give you what you want while we also give you something new. I think fans would be a lot more accepting of that. Mm. But I think that's the route they probably should go. Mm. Chat room, is, do you have any questions that you have? Is there anything we didn't touch on? Is there anything you want to elaborate on? Was there anything like, oh, I need, I need to get that in here now? Let us know. Because I think this is such an interesting thing because... You know, in the past, you would talk about fandom and groups of people like, oh, you know, that we're making it for the fans. But now the fans interact with you. They hit you up on Twitter. They hit you up on these platforms. So, like, there's a very direct one-to-one here that people can communicate what they what they want. And I wonder how that, re- you know, I hope they listen. I hope they listen to some of those ideas. I love this. Uh, wasn't the original plan for doing the Snyderverse and to end it was to do a Flashpoint so the studio can reboot it? Yes, 100%. Even Zack Snyder has mentioned that in a few different interviews that um, he had his story arc, uh, the one that we did on our last show where we just talked about the whole thing. He had that whole plan where he gave us this whole dark and gloomy end of the world scenario. And then the idea was that the movies that took place afterwards was a Flash movie that was going to be a Flashpoint movie and reboot the universe. They wanted to do that. He, he basically told them, give me my story, give me my anthology, and then you could reboot it and recast everyone and give you your own projects. Like he, he said that straight from the get-go. Yeah, that was the original plan. And the biggest irony is that if they would have listened to Zach and his plan, it is now 2022. His plan would have ended in 2020. We would have already had that reboot universe. We would have been, instead of having like four or five DC movies in the last five, six years, we would have had like a dozen movies and we would have been done and it would have been over and it would have been, that would have been it. It would have been great. Um, mm. It's just a shame that the last administration couldn't see that. Um, and I said it before, it's like cutting down the Harry Potter movies in Harry Potter number two, because you didn't like how it performed. Like, right. Right. Cutting and it down like- early is just a stupid idea because the payoffs come later. You right. have to have a little bit of faith. When you're making an arc like this. Uh, do you know if uh, another question here has uh, Zack Snyder talked to anybody high up in the new uh, HBO administration, the new Warner Brothers uh, discovery? Has anything happened in that front? I've heard rumors a while back um, that the the past administration was trying to mend that bridge with Zack so that the Zaslav could come in and uh, pick up that conversation. I heard that rumor. Um, there's been a lot of rumors that Zack has had meetings with people and even down to Clay Staub, his, uh, is a DP um, even tweeting just like a few days ago that there was a secret meetings over this weekend kind of a thing. Like there has been a lot of rumblings, a lot of chatter that Zach has met with these people, um, whether it be true or not, no idea. But yeah. um, the, the most prolific rumor was one that we talked about before, where Zach had a meeting with uh, the higher ups who basically pitched him, basically asked him, what would you need to do this? He said what he would need. And then they said, okay, cool, we'll write it all down, and then we'll present it to Discovery. Um, whether or not Discovery had gotten that memo or if that was even a real conversation or any of that, who knows? Mm-hmm. But the reality is there is a lot of chatter, a lot of water cooler talk from a lot of different people at the studio who believe he has already spoken with him. 
Um, of the current movies that are slated to come out, uh, do any have have has Aquaman three been greenlit yet? Have nothing have, yet. Okay, okay. Nothing has been greenlit yet. That's okay. the thing. I think people need to understand. Um, and this comment right here is Batgirl connected to Ben movie? Not at all. Batgirl mm-hmm. is part of the new canon in the new Flash movie. So her Batman is Michael Keaton. Her story will start with Batman being Batman and retired twenty years ago, and now crime is kind of rising back up. So she's like. Bat, a bat person needs to exist. I'm going to be the new bat person. And then Batman comes in and says, no, not without my blessing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. Sure. So it's it's very much like a Batman Beyond, but with Batgirl instead. Mm. Um, Green Lantern rumors. Uh, the movie has been shelved, and the live-action show is kind of in this weird development hell right now where it's like they haven't started filming. They've got a cast. They've got writers. It just hasn't moved anywhere. So... And it's such a big universe. You have to, you, you know what I mean? Like, do you start with the Green Lantern core? Do you, you know what I mean? Do you even like, do you spend a couple episodes just setting up the world to then bring in a human yeah. being? And no, be um, like, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, I, I heard this from a couple people, so I'm going to share it a little bit. There was a, um, a, one script that they put out where it was kind of like, it was just a random offshoot episode. Kind of reminded me of like an old Star Trek episode where like you have the main canon going and then there's just a random one-off and in the episode two green lanterns i'm not going to say who two green lanterns get stranded on a planet and their batteries die Mm. and they're basically like on this like almost like a horror episode where they're trying to survive from this like these these aliens that are trying to eat them and their their constructs they have like 20 percent battery life and they have to like be very meticulous on what they do with their power um i i read part of the the pitch i i loved it i thought that was like i wanted a whole show of that i want just a, a random anthology series like Star Wars Vision style. Just give me a bunch of different Green Lantern stories. Do a different... If you want to make a couple that connect, cool. If you want to make them everyone its own thing, I want it. Give me that as a live-action TV show, and I will be happy. Mm. But I don't know if that, sh- that episode will even make it in. I know it was a, a pitch they put into their list of pitches, but I personally thought it was amazing. Um, are, are they going to change the flash and editing? Um, yes, kind of. They filmed enough of the movie to where they could put out three different cuts of the movie and they'd be very different films. There's going to be some very obvious scenes that are like consistent among the three, but um, there's going to be some big changes as well. Um, I think at the end, the final cut for The Flash will be a lot nicer toward everyone than it would be as like nihilistic, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Live action Booster Gold needs to be a thing. I believe it does. I would love to see a weird... Uh, a a time traveler from the future coming back to the past to try to make a quick buck and become famous and then becoming a hero in the process. Like I, I think that's prime for a movie. Listen, great. if 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 Peacemaker brought into canon the Bat Demon, whatever what what, what that was might the, yeah, the, if yeah. they made Batmite real, anyone can join this DC universe. Everyone's yeah. welcome to the party. <sighs> I would love if, yeah, uh, when the Snyderverse is restored, the boss, when doing his PR rounds, you go to TCN. I, I think that'd be great. I would love to see Zack Snyder on this show. I think we're very, very much in our infancy right now, so it's a little tricky, but I would love to see that. Yeah, he 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 only benefits us. We don't benefit him, so we gotta yeah. we gotta offer him something to the table. To we do, we up. do. Yeah. We gotta we gotta build up our subscriber basis before he'll even look at us. That's I mean, all the, the corporations. That's all they look at. They want to see those numbers. Please like, comment, and subscribe. It's such a silly thing to say, but it does help things. Yeah. No, and I think as of this morning, we are now at um, 
I'm, I'm trying to refresh it because it's like loading. We're at 504 subscribers, which is pretty great, given that we've only had one official show what and just a handful show. of little test runs. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah. cool. Listen, we're building we're building the ship. All right, two more we're questions. Moving. Moving. Get us some get us some questions. <laughs> Zach just wanted to do a run and bounce, like a comic writer artist. He did. He really wanted to do um he wanted to do an a, like a, a limited run. That's what he wanted. He did not want to be the Kevin Feige. He didn't want to be like the godfather of a shared universe. He wanted to do a a set story and move on. And mm. for whatever reason, the studio was like, no, Zack Snyder's cast could benefit from a shared universe. And now we've only got two members of that cast still willing to be a part of that shared universe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if no one wants to show up to your party, the party's over. Do you think the Snyder Cut will be released in theaters? I think it could be. I think it could get a limited run solely because, um, I mean, obviously we had a couple of like fan screenings as Zach did last year where he showed off the screenings. And that was actually what uh, he put on his Vero when he was showing that he was looking at the reels that they made for those fan screenings. Um, that was the black and white version of the film that he did a fan screening of. I think it was last like November or something. But I think in the end... Um, I think they could do a limited run release of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League just because fans want it. Yeah, why not? Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt them to put it out, and obviously the movie's already out. But you you see fans get like this weekend. My local theater had like a bunch of old Harry Potter movies for screenings, and they were still yeah. selling tickets. Right. So. People like the theater-going experience. I mean, as much as we are moving into the realm of streaming and how theater is becoming more of a niche market, I still want it. I still want to see these movies on the biggest humanly possible screen I can. So, Yeah, I think that's par for the course. I think that there is always an empty IMAX screen somewhere, and they can book these special events, especially if they start filling screenings. Uh, the turkey pit, everything. So uh, to give you context, Michael, the turkey picture that Zach put out was um, right around Thanksgiving, uh, he had posted that he had like a good weekend or whatever. And that was kind of around the time that I heard the rumors that he had a meeting with the Warner Brothers. Um, he posted this picture of a, a turkey with one side of it burned, a dark side of the turkey, right? And then behind him, behind him in the in the photo on the kitchen counter where he's bringing the turkey out is a copy of the Final Crisis uh, Absolute Edition. Like the Final Crisis, like the comic where dark side... Uh, basically initiates the final crisis and Bat that's the one where Batman kills him. Like that was kind of the, the inspiration to justice league part two. Um, and then on top of it was his like his storyboard sketchbooks. And okay. they're just like in the background nuzzled there. And um, the timing of it was pretty great. Cause he was basically like, I was a lot to be thankful for right now. And the timing of like hearing the rumor that he had uh, met with Warner brothers and had a great meeting with them. And then he posts that, that post. I definitely, that's what led me to believe even back then that he had spoken with Warner brothers again and things were actually working. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, prime is in the building. Hey prime. What's up? Um, <laughs> anything on the Batfleck project? Um, I have such a weird history with this Batfleck project. Um, so for Michael, since you don't know the, the full story behind it, when I first, uh, when we first relaunched TCN, I was, I was kind of in the, let's just throw out all the news that we're hearing let's scoop it up let's let's tell people the chatter uh one of the things that i brought up when they announced uh the zack snyder's just league was that uh the hbo people were looking at um 
giving us a fully fleshed out Snyderverse on HBO, one of the mini projects was a Batfleck uh, project. They wanted to adapt his former script and do a mini series, right? And one one person I had uh, told me that they talked to him about the project. They they pitched him. They had all the stuff like this is what we want to do. This is what we want to include. And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And it just kind of didn't go anywhere. And then another source came out of the woodwork and said, no, no, he accepted it. It's moving forward, et cetera. And like that source turned out to be utter nonsense. Um, unfortunately, that, that that project didn't happen because Ben had passed on the project. He had told them, no, I'm not doing it. And I think the reasoning behind it was because of what they were putting Zach through just to make Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, because obviously now we know he had filmed a Green Lantern scene and they told him no cut it out and it didn't work out not to mention all those other scenes all those other terrible scenes with bad uh, hair plugs and wigs and all i mean he lived through all of those reshoots and whatever that was and whatever weirdness on set that was you know like oh we'll do you know we'll fix it in post i guarantee you that ben affleck's like no i'm done with this world i don't want to be here anymore but then then obviously he came back for zach for free he came back for zach for free to do that scene um and then he um came back for the flesh and then even told them that he's not done with Batman after the flash. That's why they're not killing him off in the film. So right. I think the conversations probably are moving forward. I mean, I say this as probably because realistically, like we said before, the pain hasn't even dried yet. Discovery is still assessing everything, but all the projects that discovery is assessing are projects that the Warner brothers had also pre passed on. They want to look at stuff that was pitched that they said no to that could be viable options. And I think this is a very much a viable option. So whether or not it's being actively discussed, I don't know, but I know that it's probably on the table somewhere and the studio is probably going to give Ben a call to say, Hey, I know you're getting married right now. I know you said that you want to come back. If we brought Zach back, can we get this? Like I could see that being a conversation for the future. Yeah. Yeah. But right now I don't know anything because I don't think there's anything uh, going on. Sure. Um, since Zach posted a picture of the 35 millimeter, as we know, Zach likes scriptic posts. There's always a reason Zach, he, he likes to post things, but then also points out like he, he puts Easter eggs in his own family photos. That's just how the person, how a person he is. Um, I like to point out to people that this picture was likely of the reels that he showed to the fans during the fan screenings. But it's also worth noting that the version of Jack Snyder's Justice League that he showed the, the studio mm. to get them to greenlit the project was that version of the film was the black and white cut so the fact that he's dusting out those reels again it could imply that he's having a meeting with discovery and he's showing them he's giving them the pitch all over again it could be that or it could just be that he's dusting them off and he's feeling nostalgic at this point it's all speculation right uh, well Batgirl stick on HBO Max and get reshoot uh, Batgirl's not going to get reshoot reshot because it's it just finishes principal photography uh, they'll probably have their pickups soon because uh, that's standard practice for every film is that they have principal photography, they go into editing, then they do pickups to fix anything they didn't like in editing. I don't think it's going to get extensive reshoots, but I do think they will go back in a few months and then do some additional photography to clean some stuff up. But aside from that, I don't I don't think I don't think much is changing there. Whatever that movie is, that movie is now gonna be done. Yeah. Um Zach posted reels of two two out three four. Yes, um, that was the black and white cut that he, uh, the two hour, 40, 34 minute, that was the black and white cut that he showed the studio and then told them, hey, I have a four hour cut also. Mm. Like that was that one. So it's possible that he's talking about it again. Um, 
Andy with all of his hearts. Lots Thank of you, hearts. Andy. Okay. Um, <laughs> how much creative freedom did Andy have when it came to the Flash? Um, he actually had a lot more than people give him credit for, um, because he wouldn't have taken the job unless they gave him some level of freedom. Um, that's the reality is that he needed, um, he is very much the kind of person that he will give the studio what he wants. They give him their constraints and then he works with them to fit his vision within those constraints. So he, he had a lot of creative freedom. But they still had like a, a sandbox that they drew around his project and said, this is what you can work in. This is where you can play. But these are the corners. This is where you can't go further. Mm, mm. Um, Javi Keaton is the new timeline Batman. Which continuity do you think WB will follow? Batman 89 Comics, the Schumacher. Um, so they've already uh, subtly hinted at uh, the Schumacher Batman movies not being canon to Michael Keaton's verse. Uh, I'll take this one step further. Not about this, but we're talking about bringing back talent. How crazy would it be if they gave Tim Burton Batman 3 and they called it Batman 3? And we see old Michael Keaton. I, I don't care what Tim, whatever, if he wants to do Batman, puts on a goofy suit with scissor hands on it, like to fight, like whatever he wants to do. But how crazy would it be to really go full circle and be like, hey, finish this off. Let's put this to bed. Because that's another movie I, series that feels like got messed up at yeah. some point. I do too. Um, I actually, so there was some chatter a few years ago that um, when the studio was going deep into this, uh, let's make a bunch of random offshoot movies. Um, they had, uh, they'd even talked to Keaton about coming back and doing a third Batman film set in like present day, like 30, 40 years later. And uh, they talked uh, wanting to bring back Michelle Pfeiffer and having like a, an older grizzled Wayne, kind of like a full on dark Knight return style with, with him. And they talked about it. I think that was, I don't know if that was a conversation that went anywhere, but I heard it was a pitch. And now we have him coming back for the flash, or at least we know that he had a conversation with somebody and he came back. So yeah, yeah, I think it would be room. great. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the question, um, it is uh, after the flash movie, uh, it'll be a new timeline. So it won't matter, but the current timeline in the flash movie is supposed to be post Batman Returns, and in the Batman the Batman eighty nine comic that came out um, is following that same canon, but I don't think they're going to make any references to really much of either. Mm. So I think it'll be ambiguous, but it's not going to be related. Uh, the Schumacher movies are their own universe. All right, two more questions. Uh, thanks for the sub. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not a question, so we'll keep going. Good. Let's see. Um, let me look through. There are two fan screenings. I remember when TCM posted, I can't say much. We need to get this trending right now. Um, what prompted that ended up happening? Um, as far as I was aware, um, when I, I put that out, it was because the current studio was talking with Discovery about the uh, the demand, the fan demand. And then I threw that out there saying people need to start trending now. And I think fans were able to bump up to like 125,000 views, uh, tweets in one day just because I said, y'all need to start trending. Um, from my understanding, Discovery is looking at active trending and consistent trending. So I do believe it did help. Um, 100%. I do think it helped because that's what, that's, what's making the difference. Yeah. So, um, we want to see more Zack Snyder. We got to show the demand for him and as simple as that. Um, let me look through. 
Can you talk about the polite call that you received now? Which polite call? There was a few. Um, throw me, throw another comment in there. Can you talk about the polite call that you received now? Send, uh, give me more details of what that is. I've received a few. If it's any one of the many calls that I got where I got yelled at by somebody in a very polite manner, um, because I do get a lot of those text messages and those calls where like the studio will be like, Hey, stop it. But they say it very nicely. <laughs> so do they say, um, did, you, did, you, did you get cease and desist letters or is it an actual? A lot. Yeah. I get a lot of them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, this is a side one. Are you guys following the Halo series? Are you, Michael? I watched the first episode and it has been, uh, I've turned on the second episode and like paused it and then just haven't pressed play. I, if we, if, if there's a demand for us to talk about it, I'll get back into it. But, yeah. uh, it, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't I'm know. About Taylor. 20 minutes into episode four. Um, okay. I, it is very different, but to me, I, I like to explain this to a friend of mine. Um, the Halo game and the Halo series is like Batman 89 and the Robert Pattinson's Batman movie. Sure. There are some common elements, but they're very different things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I very much like, um, I like a lot of it. I love the character stuff to it, um, especially the last couple episodes where they're delving really deep into Master Chief's background. And I think in this episode, I started watching a few minutes into it, and I know that they're going into like his childhood, which is going to be very uncharted territory for the character. Um, definitely some questionable decisions. Uh, I do like what I'm seeing so far. I hope the series, um, so far every episode has been significantly better than the last. So I hope that the, the trend keeps going. I hope that the, the show does satisfy at the end because we had some really awesome action in episode one and some amazing character stuff in the last three episodes, but I want to see a very awesome action, action sequence very soon. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Maybe I hop back into it. If we're going to talk about it, I'll hop back into yeah. it so I can talk about it some more. Uh, LC and TCM both super. Okay. Yes. Um, the plight message that I got, um, this was back in during that time. Right. Um, and I can't speak for Matt on Lightcast because uh, unfortunately I actually haven't spoken to Matt in a long, in a while. Um, when he closed up shop, he did kind of move on and I, I'm doing my own thing now. Um, the most I get from Matt is every few months, I get a text asking how we're doing. Um, he sent me an invitation to his wedding next year, uh, this year, but I honestly don't think I can make it just because of, I have a new baby and mm. traveling is expensive. Yeah. But, um, the reality is I, I really haven't heard much from him on his end. Um, but the polite message I got on the Ben Affleck stuff, um, that was the, uh, so the project, uh, as we talked about the, the Batfleck series project, um, the contact, the, the source that Matt brought into the scene, the guy who said everything was moving forward, that turned out to be a bunch of hogwash. But, um, the polite message I got from the studio about that project was simply like, Hey, um, it's not moving forward. Um, and uh, it would be it's of your best interest to uh, to let people know that it's dead, and it was very polite letting us know that uh, letting me know this is from a different source, but I got a an actual email from some uh, because of my source hooking me up with an actual contact, and a nice a polite email basically indicating that Ben had passed on the project, the project was being shelved for um, later assessment if they wanted to re revamp any of that stuff, but essentially it was a very nice way of saying that um, the information that was being put out there was false, and to uh, to stop raising fans hope because it's, it's pretty much uh, it's, 
it's dead because Ben didn't want to do it. Very polite about it. Um, that was the last one I got. I got a few of them. First one saying, stop talking about it, but very polite manner. I got one somewhat polite email from one of Ben's actual reps indicating that Ben is not doing the project and stop and to a, where am I getting this information? But they're very polite, very polite, but very much the uh, stop talking about it because Ben wants you to stop talking about it. But then the studio eventually said it's politely like, Hey, it's, it's dead. Stop, stop. <laughs> so very polite, but very much that's it. Well, um, we'll have to step on some new people's toes. We'll have to figure out what Hollywood's planning. That way we can get you some new cease and desist letters into your mailbox. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I joke a lot, but the most cease and desist letters I got from any studio was from Fox because it kept leaking stuff. And um, they got mad. I got my first one. I was really proud about was um, <laughs> I was really proud about. It. I wanted to frame it. It was from um, when the Wolverine, the Japanese samurai one was filming. I got a picture of the 3d printed red and brown costume in the briefcase. And I, I posted, I posted it up on the website and they sent me a cease and desist saying, stop posting that picture. And they told me to pull it. And then I had like, I was really proud of it. I was like, look at that. The studio recognizes me. They're mad. Okay. <laughs> like, I got really mad. Um, I got right. a few of those like that. Just the studio is telling me to stop doing stuff. That's good. It was like a badge of honor at the time. Yeah. We were so small that if we're getting cease and desist, we're on somebody's radar. <laughs> uh, our last question of the day from DK66. Where's the Hal Jordan Tom Cruise rumors true? Uh, when do you think we could see Hal Jordan again? Um, No. Uh, yes and no. I think that's the best way to put it. Um. The studio wanted someone like Tom Cruise. And that's a, that's a kind of a standard statement they make when they want to do things, right? Right. Um, for instance, Matt Reeves, when he was making the Batman, when he was writing the script, he even now he says in interviews that he had Robert Pattinson in mind when he was writing it. But when the casting went out, he said, I want someone like Robert Pattinson. If we can get him, great. But I want someone like him. And that's that's typically how they go when they come to casting is that they – they pick like a benchmark and say, this is the person that we want as like, if we could have unlimited money and unlimited anything, this is who we would get. Um, the Hal Jordan Tom Cruise rumors came about because that was the benchmark that Jeff Johns wanted for the character um, because they wanted to make the Green Lantern Corps movie with an older grizzled Hal Jordan and a younger John Stewart as being the new recruit. Um, and they wanted someone of Tom Cruise's uh screen presence to basically be like essentially they wanted maverick to be tom to be hal jordan and they wanted that kind of a vibe i mean isn't that the marvel method every marvel movie yeah. has a young cast and then some huge established actor as, as a supporting a villain, cast yeah. as a villain or a supporting role i mean yeah yeah so that was it was true in the sense that they they name dropped tom cruise as someone that they wanted to set as the standard but it wasn't true as in the fact that they ever got him or ever talked to him about it I don't think they ever even made that conversation because it, the project really didn't go that far. Um, when do you think we could see Hal Jordan again? Um, that Green Lantern movie has always been on their table. They want to still make it with Hal Jordan and, and John Stewart. Um, it's been years that they've just squandered it, but that's, um, I think we could see him again in that project. Um, I know we got a bunch of little Easter eggs of Hal Jordan in the Arrowverse, but I don't think they'll ever get him. Um, yeah. I don't think the Green Lantern show was supposed to have Hal Jordan. Uh, he was supposed to be saved for the tie-in movie. But Zach wanted to use Hal Jordan in his Just League Part 2. So it really just depends. If Discovery comes in and greenlights the Green Lantern film, we'll see Hal Jordan there. If they greenlight Zach's uh, Just League Part 2 
project. We'll see Hal Jordan there. So we will see him again it, probably in the next few years. But dep- where? That's a that's a question for Discovery and whatever they're doing with DC next. Right. Mm. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for our very first live cast. We did it live. You were all here with us live. Thank you for being live with us and tinkling your questions in there. I think this is an exciting time, and I hope that they build upon the successes that they have had and have an open mind to doing some new creative projects because, like you said, they have thousands of characters to play with. They just need to find some people that want to do some fun stuff with them. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's just what it comes down to is that the studio, um, the last group of the studio didn't know what, what they really had. They kind of squandered a lot of stuff. But Discovery coming in, they know the power of DC and they know the demand for DC. And I think at this point, they, they just don't want it to be to be butchered. And yeah. they, they want it to be done right, but they also want to give us a quality product. And with Discovery's main focus being streaming, they they definitely want to make the theatrical element a big impact but they also like you said before in the earlier show they want to make uh dc shine a lot on screen like you have for every the suicide squad you're gonna have a peacemaker spinoff for the batman you're gonna have the arkham and and all those other projects they're gonna have those those side projects um discovery is gonna lean heavy into that and that's why i think Zack snyder's justice league and that whole realm is prime for streaming because fans want it and I think it's just a matter of time. I know the upfront for Discovery coming in is going to be in a few weeks, a few months, maybe. I think it's a few weeks. And when they finally have their upfront, um, we'll have a better idea of what they're planning, what they want to do, um, whether or not there's any real rumors about them restoring the Snyderverse or releasing the air cut or anything like that at that uh, that meeting. I don't think that's going to be what that meeting's for, but at least it'll give us enough to know what could be happening next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think everything's, I think it's, I think it's all in play. You know, people are talking about what things they can do. You should probably watch, even if you paid for it in theaters, you should watch the Batman, uh, the new Batman movie on HBO Max, because those analytics are going to mean things. You know, the numbers and hours that you stream these things, it is not lost on anybody. They track all of these different things. So tell your, I mean, literally tell your friends, go sign up and watch it. I mean, that will be the things that move the metrics on these projects. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to be watching the movie on Monday, 100%, after I get off of work. I'm going to watch it. And then um, when it comes out next month on, on 4K, I'm going to buy it. Uh, Best Buy has this absolutely gorgeous steelbook version of the movie. It has, like, the Riddler, like, stuff all over it. And I'm 100% going to buy that one. That looks gorgeous. Um, but thank you, everyone, for joining us on this live show. Uh, we have a couple things that we want to bring up. Announcements. I guess Michael has to be first. No, no, yes, no. I was just making sure that we don't forget about oh. the announcements. Yes. Um, Culture Nerd Podcast After Dark. We're going to be... We, we, we practiced this beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, and then we still messed it up. We practiced <laughs> and we messed it up. Um, that's, just the, that's just part for the We course. are going to be doing a an after an after hour show. Um, very much like uh, just us kind of just uh, talking and just discussing what we want to discuss. But it's going to be very much TV MA quality. There's going to be swearing. There's going to be uh, dirty jokes. It's going to be just unfiltered us, right? And that is the um, that's the show that we're actually going to do just for uh, subscribers because 
And I, I hate to say that we want you to subscribe. We want you to like and subscribe our content, but we have to do that show as a subscriber based show because of the content will probably get pulled if it's not subscriber locked. If it's open to everyone, it'll demonetize things. It'll, it'll attack us. Like the only way to make, make that content exist on YouTube would be locked behind a subscriber wall. So that's, and, and we didn't want to make it Patreon only, which is also a way that it could have gone as well, but I would yeah, rather we can talk about that option. But right now we've only got six people supporting us on Patreon and I would love to do a show just for those six people. But... I was, I'll do a show for six. I mean, with six people, we should just bring them on and let them. Uh, we'll let them ask them questions. in the show with us. Yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. We'll just do yeah. the Patreon episode. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that idea. We could do that separately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we are on Patreon, uh, Cultured Nerd, Patreon.com slash The Cultured Nerd. Uh, go support us. I mean, it keeps the lights going. Um, I was doing the math. Um, we are now with our six Patreon supporters. We're actually breaking even on how much it costs to run StreamYard and all of the other podcast apps. But we are we are at zero. We finally hit our net zero. Thank you so, so much. It's such a weird thing to say to people where where that's that is a very we should celebrate that benchmark. The fact yeah. that we are there is only a building spot for more wonderful yeah, content. Which means so everything going forward, if we get more subscribers, more Patreon supporters, we can actually upgrade our gear. We can have better stuff. We can do better, more extravagant shows. We can actually hire an editor so I don't have to do all the stuff on my phone. We can actually do a <laughs> lot of fun stuff. So definitely support us so we can keep doing what we love doing and what you want from us. I mean, the one benefit to the Patreon supporters is that they have an open dialogue with me and they can tell me what they want to see more of and give me direct feedback that I, I try to listen to because um, it's one thing to have open feedback from everyone on the internet. Cause that's fun and all, but it also gets a little like a little sketch. Um, but for people that are actually paying for the product, I definitely do listen to them because uh, you have to listen to your customers. That's that's that goes with it. Right. That's, um, what I, that's what I learned at Blockbuster. That's totally true. Yeah, I mean, so uh, obviously I was your host, Taylor Murphy, my co-host, Michael Santel here. Our current Patreon supporters, Wesley, Michael, Connor, Oscar, Stefan, and Chris. Thank you guys for supporting and jumping in. Uh, because of you guys, I actually opened up a couple more Patreon uh, sub amounts. Um, the minimum is being the $3 American uh, budget supporter, which a few of them joined on for just because of that. We have a show-only support, $5 a month, just to support us. And then there's still the $10 a month for the entire network because we do have two other shows coming in the pipeline. And now we can actually uh, go that route. Um, so thank you all for joining us. Thank you for coming in. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. For those of you at home on your, your couch, scan that QR code and you'll have access to find all of our links, our, all of our social medias, the Patreon, the YouTube, Spotify, Apple, everything in between. Like you will see it all, hit that link and then go from there. Thank you again, everyone. And we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.